another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. Back in my day, every time, every year, small church, you would have a church camp. And you'd go to church camp, this is what would happen. You'd have an invited other pastor from somewhere who would come and preach at the camp. And then nine times out of ten, they had their spouse, their wife with them, and the wife would bring the latest worship song. Whether she could sing or not was not a part of the equation. And I'll never forget this particular day, you see, because for me, I had some issues in life. In fact, some of you would have heard, I've used this before, but my mum came up to me about five years ago and said, Paul, I've got to make an apology. And I said, what's that for? Well, see, I'm one of eight, and so she comes from Dutch roots, and what was on the plate, you finished. You stayed there till midnight if you didn't want to finish. But you're not leaving the table. Come on, how many are relating to me right now? It's like, you don't leave the table till you finish everything. Well, she used to dish up broad beans all the time. Five years ago, because I used to dry reach, I had nightmares about broad beans. And she said five years ago, oh, Paul, I've got to apologize because I realize now you meant to peel the broad beans. <laughs> so you can imagine them getting stuck in my throat. Well, not only did I have a problem with broad beans, I had a problem with peas. I don't know why, I just didn't like peas. I think it's the starchiness on the inside. I still don't like beans that much because of the starchiness. Anyway, we go to the church camp and I'm, as I said, eight to 10 years of age and I'm so serious and I'm so wanting to do what God wants me to do. And the pastor's wife gets up to teach a song and she starts singing like this. She says, peace, peace, sweet peace, wonderful gift from above. Oh, wonderful, wonderful peas. And I'm thinking about the packet with sweet peas on them. You know what? I looked around at that camp. Grown-up people started crying as they were singing about peas. For the next three months in our church, it was the hit song, and people were getting saved singing about peas. And as this little kid, it took me three months to dawn. It's not peas, it's peace that they're singing about. But how many know there is a challenge of the internal and the external? And I pray over this series that we will begin to realize, because I love now studying, I have for years, effectiveness. If you're going to build an effective business, what's the key? If you're going to build an effective family, if you're going to build an effective church, an effective life, what are some of the keys? And it's most often determined by your DNA. Your core values, your core strength, your culture determines if you don't get this internal alignment, you're not going to break through into the promise or the potential of what God says about you. Here at Life, we've got values. We're going to touch on some of these values over this month, but we have this word called Westpac with a double P. And we just say that our heartbeat at Life is this, worship is our wisdom. In fact, if you don't connect with God, you don't have divine wisdom. Excellence is our essence. Servanthood is our spirit. Time is our... Yeah, that's a good one for the 11 o'clock. Come on, time is our testimony. It's like, hey, every time we're late, everybody else misses out on something. If the next value is worthwhile, which is people are our priority. Partnership is our privilege. Atmosphere is our activity. It's like if you bring atmosphere, if you bring a lean in, you lift what's happening around you. If you just sit there like a sponge soaking it in, you don't lift the atmosphere. Communication is our commitment. In other words, don't hide things. 
Communicate. If you don't communicate, how do we know? How can you build a relationship? How can you build a business if there's not honest communication, which often costs you something? But I believe that. And so, you know, for me, heartbeat is really core health determines destiny. So we've got to get this internal agreement and we've got to look at some of the kingdom values that God wants us to live with rhythms in. And today, I want to begin the series by talking about this value, which is people are our priority. Thank you, B-Rad, from South. You, you touch people, people. Yeah, that's because you're in the first service. You didn't say that before the service. But people are our, let's try it again. People are our, it's like, can you, can you explain to me your faith? Yes, people are God's priority. It's kind of like before you get all of the deep-seated understanding, and we're in an expansion here at life, and I, I believe that God is saying, let's make sure we keep the main thing the main thing. Let's not allow the growth of the organization to lose the health of the organism. It's kind of like people. Everything about life is people. And, uh, you know, you find an account, and we're a little bit like this. The disciples, they've been with Jesus quite a while. Been in church a while. Been walking with God a while. And they're walking along, and it says in Mark chapter 9, verse 33, that Jesus came to Capernaum. And he was in the house, and he said to the boys, he said, guys, what was it that you were fighting, discussing, challenging each other with, along the road. See, they didn't think that Jesus had heard. Every one of them kept silent, for on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. Like, I go to that church because I get so much. It's good, but it shouldn't be the primary factor. You know, I'm a part of that group because of what I get out of it. That's necessary, but it's not the primary factor. It's kind of like people are your priority. Who would be the greatest? And there's this rise, even within the church, globally, of self-priority. If it helps me, if it serves me, if it satisfies me, then I'm in and I'm a part of it. But Jesus goes on as he talked to the disciples and he said, as he sat down, he said, if anyone desires to have more, to be first, anyone really wants to see the promises of the king become their reality, he shall be last. In other words, You're not the priority in your life for you to focus on. You're God's priority. But you are there to make others become servant of all. And I wonder sometimes if we get enamored with who we are rather than going, God, no, people are our priority. See, I have often people say to me, they say, well, I don't know where I fit or I don't know what the will of God is. I want to tell you, people are your priority. Just start loving people. Just start looking out for people. Just start talking to people. Become a builder of people. When you do that, something begins to shift. In other words, surrender self to this place of servanthood and go, okay, I gotta change the way I think. It's not about trying to grab it and make it my own. It's about serving others so they can step up. Even Paul the Apostle, he'd been through a lot and he says, well, I am an apostle, but I'm the least. I don't see myself as warranting all of what God's brought me. I'm here to let you know that if you feel like you're disqualified, I'm one of those. 
You feel like you could never make, I'm one of those. Come on, we, we've got this pious attitude at the church. The only thing we're known for, and I'm talking globally in the church, is for what we're against. We've got it together. You ain't got it together. And God's saying, no, make people your priority. Come on, where you work, are you making people your priority? Where you live, are you making people your priority? A lot of people, I feel like this sometimes. I've got to be honest. God, I love serving you. Just get rid of the people. No, don't look at your spouses right now. That's not a good moment to do that. There was this adage of old, to live above with those we love, oh, won't that be glory? But to live below with the ones we know, now that's a different story. Come on. Families that you're friends with, let's go on holiday. After about two or three weeks, why do we ever go on holiday? Because people are challenging. And I think we're in a global crisis where we're more aware of everything, but we're more isolated. And there's an ache in the human heart that's saying, I'm sure it's not meant to be like this. Would somebody love me? Would somebody believe me? In fact, I believe our isolation equates to our emptiness. You can be in church and isolated. You say, well, nobody ever reaches out to me. No, here's the key I'm telling you. People are your priority. All of us start reaching out to people. There's going to be a shift that takes place. Under that thought, Jesus with people are our priority. In Matthew 18, he says, the son of man, by the way, didn't come for glory. Didn't come for what was rightfully his. No, the son of man came to save those that are lost. They've got no idea how to get there. And so he came to show the way. Then it goes on and says, what do you think if you were a man that owned 100 sheep and one went missing, wouldn't you leave the 99, go up into the mountains just to find the one? And if you were to find it, you'd come back rejoicing more over the one than the 99. I wonder in your workplace, in my workplace, I wonder in my street, I wonder where I do the fun things in life, I wonder if we're looking for the one. Or are we so secure with what God has already done for us and we miss it? And so today I, I want to elevate this priority, this DNA, this value of people are our priority. You say, well, Paul, how do we live that? And just reflecting over the things that I've had to learn, have to keep engaging, is this first thought is that we need to engage people moments. It's kind of like I was in the first service of the whole group of Fuse here at North and I saw one of the young guys come in late and sort of he tapped, he walked over to the right, but he tapped his friend on the left-hand shoulder. Ever done that before? You know, and the person looks to the left and I saw it, so I tapped him on the left-hand shoulder and I was still on the right. And he looked at me, you got me. You say, well, what's, why would you bring that up in a message? It's a people moment. Did you walk in, create a people moment this morning? Did you create a people moment? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's kind of like engage people moments. It's like, well, I don't feel I'm adequate to be able to do that. No, all you have to do is realize that everybody's longing to belong and discover value. Years ago, I, I felt like God say, hey, Paul, you're the window through which people see. They, they don't see God in a religious temple. You're that window through which they see. Let me put it this way. Possessions, by the way, are temporal. But people are eternal. 
So we spend our lives gaining more stuff and ruled by stuff and more isolated because we don't have time to make and engage people moments. And under that thought that engaging people moments is that God wants our availability, but people want our presence. It's the eyes that look and the ear that stops long enough to listen. And and you go, well, I I don't know how to share my faith. You don't need to know how to share your faith. You just need to be your faith. (laughs) Just be in that moment and that that, that made up of focused exchanges. So where you get gas, how, how do you get gas? You just go to the gas station and you're already complaining because the prices are too high. But why why wouldn't we stop getting gas and just say, is there a people moment exchange here? Hey, I love your car. How long you, wow, that's amazing. Walk into the person serving and you think, you're ripping me off. They're not ripping you off. Come on, it's it's the oil or it's the taxes we pay that are ripping us off in one sense. And I understand all that. I'm not having a go. Don't write a letter. Anyway, why don't we go up to the person behind the counter and say, how was your day? Been busy here? Oh, it's okay. Well, I'm sure you're happy I'm here. Because I'm, I'm not saying this, but I'm talking to you like you're valued. There's a cash register and there's you. People are my priority. It's kind of like in the places we work, people are our priority. Everywhere we find, it's kind of like people are our priority. I, I remember getting email years ago and it related to an instance at the beginning of Life Conference. In fact, it was the day before it started. I went down to Montgomery Drive back then when we were using the campus there. And I walked into a place I was setting up and there was a guy just standing on his own. I didn't recognize him. I didn't think he was from our church. Turned out he wasn't. He just came early and had nothing to do. And he was standing there. So I walked up and I just put my hand on his shoulder. I said, hey, mate, nice to meet you. Who are you? Tells me. Anyway, it eventuates. He sends me this email and say, you will never know. I'm a pastor of a church. I've been a pastor He says, that was it. I told God, I can't do it. It's over. I'm going to life conference. If you don't speak to me, I'm out of here. And I can't even remember what I said, but I gave him some words of encouragement. He writes me this long email saying, all of that changed the future. A people moment. It's not because you're pastor. It's because people are a priority. Where you work, people moments. People are crying out, is there an answer to this? Is there somebody who cares? Is there something where you fill up with gas? Come on, where you stop, what, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I I try to find it everywhere. Just recently, I was walking through the mall where we get some um, groceries and there was a guy um, collecting money for hard stuff. And I'm thinking, man, we're giving everything to everybody. I got no more to give in a sense. It's like, but I thought I could create a people moment. So I just talked to him about what they're doing. It's not the bucket and the cause, there's a person. It's kind of like, well, what could we do? Jesus, he's waiting. You say, yeah, but I'm so busy. Yeah, Jesus was pretty busy. He's wasted. He's got no food. He sends the boys into the town of Samaria, sits by a well. There's a woman drawing water. What does he do? Engage a people moment. He says, honey, how long have you been drawing water? Would you give me some? She goes, who are you? Us Samaritans, we're the dogs. We don't. Ever have a Jew talk to us and yet you're talking to me? Why Why would you talk to me? I'm just asking you for flipping water. <laughs> so she gives him water and he says, hey, I got water that will answer your thirst. By the way, you haven't just had a husband, you've had five and 
The guy you're living with is not your husband. And one engagement of the people moment, get this, a whole city comes out. It's like, yeah, but so what do I do with that, Paul? You just engage. You just make people moments. The disciples come out. It's amazing in John 4. Won't spend a lot of time and they bring food and he says, I don't need your food. No, 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 no. He says, uh, I know you're marveling that I'm talking to the Samaritan, but he says, my food, verse 34, is to do the will of my Father who sent me and to finish His work. In other words, I, I don't need natural sustenance to keep me going. I just need to bring the kingdom to people. I, I'm just in that place where, come on. You know, one of my faves in Central, lady in Central, years ago, in the old central facility, we, uh, we, I went out into the foyer. I love walking around foyers. And, and uh, two ladies that have been coming to life for a long time said, oh, we've got our friend here for the first time. So I walked over and I discovered they'd been asking her to come for a couple of years. And she used a lot of expletives. And so I met her and she says, don't you ever think that, that, that I'll be back here again? I said, that's fine. Great to have you here today. That, 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 that. Anyway, I remembered her name and guess what? She was there the next week. So I walked up and I said, hey! And I called her by name and she just looked at me as though, what is going on here? You know, every time I bumped into her and it was many times before she made a decision for Christ, every second word was a pretty strong word that you're not allowed to use in church. (laughs) But I saw her make a decision for Jesus. And then over the next few months, she would come up to me because I just made her an extra effort, people moment. And she'd ask me about things to do with the kingdom and how does that work and what about that? There was a time where three of us were wearing black rings and she says, I noticed that Pastor Luke and Pastor Scott and you have a black ring. Is it sort of some special? (laughs) I said, no, we just like black rings. Ah. Anyway, forward the story on. She comes every week to church found God in her mid-60s, never been in church. Anyway, we opened the new central building. Just so happened one particular fact, the very first Sunday, I'm walking out of the building to do something before the start of the meeting and all these people are walking in and she walks in and she looks terrified, shaking. And I called her by name. I said, hey, what's happening? And she just threw her arms around me and she says, oh, I'm so happy I met you. She says, I've been in the car coming to this new venue and all the way in the car, there's something in my head going, go home. They don't want you there. You don't know where to go. You just got to turn around and go home. Just go home. Don't get up and go again. Don't believe your best days ahead. Don't live that lie that people are around and I just held on to it, tears running down her face, more emotion than I'd ever seen. And she says, oh, and even from that day, now a few months on, she still says, thank you for seeing me in the hallway. You know what I told her in that hallway? I said, what you need to know is the enemy doesn't want you to experience what God has for you. So whether you like it or not, I said, this is what you do. I called her by her first name. I said, you give the flipping devil the finger. Well, we got some celebration at North at least. South, you'll be all over that. Come on, Central, yeah. Some of us go home and that'll be the thing we took out of the message is give the devil the finger. That'll be the subject of our group studies this week. Give the devil the, where there is a time where you say, devil, 
You say, well, you shouldn't talk like that in church. Hey, listen, if you're going to reach German, speak German. If you're going to speak to people that have been in the world for that long and have rough times, you talk their language and say, hey, we love you anyway. You know what she just said two weeks ago? I said, how are you doing? She says, I came to church and I still had some of those voices. And I said, yep, well, you can just have to keep on. I get those voices. And she said, you know what? When you think about it, he had me in his family for 63 years. Engage in the people movement. Come on, engage. Yeah, but I don't want to force myself. Hey, drug pushers force themselves. We're just engaging. Come on, we're bringing light to a world that needs it. Let's make sure that we do that with everything that we have. By the way, focused moments are the currency of human exchange. It's a focused moment. It's not when you're ready for it, it's now. Wherever I go, I'm going, no, I can make someone smile. I can make them feel like I cared about them. I, I could be in that. Secondly, not only do we in, need to engage people moments, but let's understand, I love this, who we build determines what will be built. You know, if, you, if you're a young parent, how many know it's chaos? When kids, okay, we, we went to a function yesterday with a few families and their kids like jolly ants. And I said, how many kids are you guys going to have? They said, we're building the church. I said, fair point. Uh, but there were kids everywhere and they were climbing fences and falling off and kind of, you know, screaming. And then these people, you know, these ones were fighting and then rolling down the hills and smashing into the fence. And it's like, oh my gosh. And I just thought again, reminded I want to encourage every young parent, it's worth it. Don't give up on those, whatever you want to call them in the moment, but be committed to them. Come on, who are we building? It's kind of like the people we build into determines what will be built. Let's, let's again, you want to build a great business? Yes, deal with responsibilities. I've got no problem with that. I'm somebody that sees detail. And again, people that are more heart-driven don't like the responsibility, but you, you, you deal with the responsibility, but at the same time, Come on, you're building into people and you're calling the best out in them and you're, you're believing for them to step up and everything we do, we should do that. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter four, he says, you can have 10,000 instructors in Christ. In other words, Christians say, you should do that, you should do that, you should do that, but you don't have many parents. Come on, as a church, we're gonna grow up and in Christ, Paul says, I have begotten you. In other words, I've taken you on a journey. I, I've believed in you. I've spoken into you. I, I, I've told you what you needed to hear and I, I, I've kept your head up high and so that you could build the things that God has for you to build. Can I, can I encourage our church? We're, we're in catastrophic change and acceleration. But please don't just come and live a Christianity, which is just all about you. Build people. Come on, build people. Start building people. Don't let the devil rip you off. Say, well, I've got nothing to bring. Of course you have. Even if you've been through the worst of things that are an experience that you can use to bring into people and say, you know what? I went through that. You don't have to go through that. I'm gonna walk with you through that. Come over to my place. You say, well, I don't know what to do then. Just to invite them. People wanna break out of isolation. Boy, I'm getting worked up in here. Obviously, North needs it today. We all need it. Come on, everyone, every campus. Who are you begottening? Who have you begotten? In other words, you were the B of an example. And then you took them to a place of greater breakthrough. 
Well, I just never got much out of church. People aren't that friendly towards me. Get out of that kind of mindset. Start looking for somebody that you can build into. Because who we build determines what will be built. And when we in the church can say, yeah, but look at this world, it's falling apart. All the, Hey, stop trying to, you keep talking that, you don't change anything. Build. Let's build the next prime minister with Christian values. Let's build the business people with Christian values. Let's build, come on, our children, with the potential that God has given them to build. And here's the third thought is that I believe we need to value someone's potential over their past. Because if you're anything like me, I, I still have the enemy looking and, and, and saying, that's what you were and that's where you failed. And it's kind of like, but God, he, as I said, he, he knows I've got to take responsibility, but he brings into focus the potential of what is before me. I, I got a kind of a mantra to most people. Most people know me as Papa P and it's like, yeah, I just say you're a champion. You don't have to do what I do, but you, you're a champion. You, you, you were designed by the creative forces of heaven. You, you have gods. And over the years, walking with people through their disappointments and through the deepest and darkest, it's kind of like, no, here at life, people are our priority. It's kind of like, that's what we're all about and understand we can do that because we understand our own humi- uh, humanity. And, and we just got to have a door that's wide open to people. You know, again, if you know people closely, sometimes you go, yeah, but they did that. And yeah, but they did that. And yeah, but they did that. Well, hey, yeah, but you did that. Thank God that Jesus came into my life knowing I did that. And he says, look, there is an answer in me. If you'll follow me, I can bring you through a change. And all of us are off a few degrees. Come on, let's be there for people and speak to their potential and get that alignment and that sense of being in the right path and the right stream. Here in New Zealand, 1979, the large passenger jet, in fact, it had 257 people on it. Many of you know the story. went sightseeing to Antarctica. And the pilots didn't know, but somebody had tempered with the instruments, and so the flight path was two degrees out. By the time they got there, they were 45 kilometers east of where the pilots assumed they were. And as they got close to Antarctica, they lowered the plane so that the passengers could see the landscape. And of course, Mount Erebus rose to 12,000 feet above ground level. The account is that the white of the snow and the ice covering the volcano blended with the white of the clouds above, making it appear to the pilots that they were flying over flat ground. By the time the instruments gave the warning, it was too late and all of them were killed. You know, in life, all of us are off a few degrees. So let's make sure we don't buy into the thing of placing judgment, but start to deal with realities, but speak to potential. Okay, that might have been in the past, but there might have been something in that. All human beings carry the image of God. Even your teenagers. Come on, even those in your family that have hurt you, even in those that you go, you know what, I never want to see them again. They still carry the image of God. And I look at that and I say, God, help us to make visible what you have visible and not to allow what has gone wrong to determine how we respond. I walked into the North Auditorium this morning in the prayer meeting, it was pretty dark. And 
all of a sudden I saw this beam of light. I took a picture. And that picture came through a little gap in the curtain. And I thought, wow, that's not a natural light. That's just the sun coming through. And it was just like God was saying, thanks. God was saying, do you realize that is who you are? Are you seeing the darkness or are you bringing some light to it? Come on. To those closest to us. To those that have actually heard us. Yes, sometimes there are trust boundaries that need to be put, but you've still got to speak to the potential. Still got to speak to the things that God has for them. You know, Clarence, come and join me. You may have heard this story. It's a, it's a moving story from Dan Clark in his Chicken Soup for the Soul. It's the story of a pet owner or a pet store owner that had some puppies come. And so knowing that kids are attracted to signs, just put the sign up above the door, new puppies for sale. To which a little boy saw the sign, the pet owner was still there raising, putting the sign up, said, hey, could I see the puppies? He said, sure. Whistled and mum came out with three little fur balls coming behind with the smallest, the slowest lagging quite a way back. And he said, wow, how much are they? And something like, well, the $20 each, son. He said, well, I'd like to buy one. He said, great. Boy reached into his pocket and he pulled out what he had. He he only had $2.37. By the way, when we look at what we have, we don't think we can make much difference for others. And he looked at the price and looked at the puppies and then his attention focused on the puppy lagging behind. He said, I want that puppy. The store owner, knowing he's a little boy, said, no, you don't, you don't. You don't want that puppy, he said, because the vet has just diagnosed it as being born without a hip. So it'll never run, it'll never jump fences, it'll never do what you can do. He said, no, 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 no but I want that puppy. Again, the owner says, no, you don't want to buy that puppy. In fact, if you really want him, I'll just give him to you. The little boy looked at the owner upset, pointing his finger. He said, I don't want you to give him to me. That little dog is worth as much as each one of the other puppies and I'll pay full price. I've only got $2.37, but what if I pay off 50 cents a week? until I pay fully for who He is. Sounds a little bit like Jesus knocking at my door. Again, He said, no, no, no. You really don't want this little dog. You don't know. He won't be able to do what you think He can do. To which the little boy reached down and rolled up his jeans and revealed a badly twisted, crippled left leg supported by a metal brace. He looked up at the store owner and softly replied, well, I don't run that well myself. And that little puppy is going to need someone that understands. You're in a street. No matter what they're saying, you live in a street where people want to know someone understands. Not with a finger of judgment. Come on. But the positioning of people is our priority.
enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.